This is a hat trick podcast. Oh, One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is The Real Sex Education. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. To bring this all together, though, we'll need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, mum. Hello, Diggs. In this episode, we're joined by Tom Price. I'm quite nervous to talk about my sex life because I'm a complete prude. We talk about growing up in the beautiful idyllic countryside. I didn't give a shit about pretty cobbles and lovely old buildings. I just wanted to touch girls. Porn and parenting. If my son, when he's 11 or 12, comes up to me and says, look at this and shows me porn, I'm going to be like... (laughs) And Tom's sex education teacher. He rocked backwards and forwards and went, oh my God! He had to go into the art stockroom just to take a moment and gather his thoughts. Hello and welcome to The Real Sex Education. I'm Diggory Waite and as ever, I'm joined by accredited sex and relationship therapist, Kate Campbell. Hello, Mum. Hello, Diggs. Every week, Mum and I give sex and relationships a good going over with a guest. And this week, we're delighted to be joined by actor, comedian and broadcaster Tom Price. He was great fun, wasn't he, Mum? Oh, he was brilliant. We had such fun this week. We really did, although I feel like I did a lot of oversharing in the episode. And yeah, it felt sometimes like we were interviewing me rather than Tom. Oh, Oh dear. That's something for listeners to look forward to. Mm. But we'll be chatting in just a minute with Tom Price about growing up and being sex obsessed. But after that, we open up our mailbox and it's your chance to have your questions answered by an accredited sex therapist. Yes, you can send in your queries to Kate via email, podcasts at hattrick.com or on Twitter using the hashtag RealSexEDU. One thing I wanted to talk about now, though, because it's a theme that comes up a lot in the questions we get, is managing rejection. Mm. A lot of the questions we get are from people saying they still want sex, but their partner doesn't. Mum, what do we say to those people? If somebody says no, you have to respect that. Consent's important. But I'm always surprised by how little couples plan and prepare for this kind of eventuality. And I think people need to have a proper conversation about what is possible at the moment. Because during the last few months, I think a lot of people have been finding they don't feel very sexy, they don't feel up for much at all. And for some people, they've they've completely gone off the whole idea of sex and other people are, are using it much more to sort of manage their mood. So there is a big discrepancy for an awful lot of people. But I think so I think what you have to do is when you're not in one of those situations where you're arguing the toss about it, to actually sit down and work out what's possible and what isn't possible and whether a nice cuddle would be okay or whether a different time would be a good idea, whether you need to schedule some intimate time. 
or whether, you know, it's just off the agenda altogether for the time being. And also to explain what's going on, because I think we've said many times on this podcast that a lot of the time people... Um, reject their partner, reject their sexual advances because they don't feel very sexy themselves. They feel they're smelly or they've just been working too hard and they're tired and they feel they, they can't pull out whatever's needed, that sort of thing. So I think people need to be a lot more honest about what's going on for them rather than just saying, don't be a sex pest, go away. Um, mm. and, and the person who wants the sex needs to be a, a lot more open and honest about what exactly it is they need as well and why they need it because there's a big difference between just scratching an itch if you like and feeling that you really need some comfort and you know to be held by your partner that's something else altogether so those sorts of things make a big difference when you're really honest and also just as I say just just planning for this sort of thing talking about it in advance yeah so I guess we'd say to people go away and try and talk openly and honestly with your partner. But before you do that, you have to work out what you want deep down and what you need deep down and try and communicate that effectively. Yeah, what's going on for you? Particularly if you keep on approaching your partner and they keep saying no, why do you keep doing the same thing over and over again? Why not say, okay, this is this is what I want, this is why I want it, rather than behaving like a sex pest? And are you automatically rejecting your partner because they just come at it at the wrong time? They just start sort of making advances when you're trying to get a hot dish out of the oven or something like that. Mm. Or, you know, when you're on the top of a bus or, I don't know, some inappropriate time anyway. Um, yeah, to be fair, I mean, I refuse to take my husband onto the top of any buses anymore uh, as he gets he gets too excited he he likes to go upstairs and sit at the front of the bus and pretend he's driving it uh, and I think that sense of power really goes to his head and uh, he gets quite horny <laughs> more questions for mum at the end of the show but before that mum and I welcomed Tom Price onto the podcast and I began by asking him how he was doing today I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well indeed. And I love the music to this show, guys, because it has a sort of Bake Off vibe. So I, I'm, I'm, Yes, you, it does. You lulled me does. into a false sense of comfort TV and you're about to dig out the deep secrets about my sex life. So well done. Very yeah, clever. So, yeah, exactly. So when did you lose your virginity? What was it like? <laughs> um, yeah. I can tell you what, though. I can tell you the music that was playing when I lost my virginity when I was 16 years old. Come on, hit us with the good oh, stuff, God. early doors. Dive straight in. It was I Started Something I Couldn't Finish by The Smiths. That's genuine. Oh. That's 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 almost like one of those Twitter replies to mm. when someone's like, "Oh, put your sex life yeah. in one mm. song title." That's it. I started something I couldn't finish. I know. I know. And it was did you finish within a minute of the song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If only yeah, it was, good. you know, if only the song was American Pie, and I could have said I lasted the whole song. But <laughs> definitely not the case. Tom, are you excited to talk about your sex education? I'm quite nervous to talk about my sex life because I'm a complete prude, very mm. repressed man. So I'm. This is why I wanted to do this because I felt like I should. You know, get some entertainment out of the pain of a, a man <laughs> digging into his own libido. Um, yes. I, but my sex education, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's going to be a very quick conversation, guys. <laughs> it's always the way. So we might as well dive straight in. How mm. was it? Uh, very brief. Next question. So yeah. I um, I went to an all boys prep school. Oh, gosh, this is, must be 1980, what, 89, when I did my sex education. There was a big deal made about the fact that in your fourth year at that prep school, was the year you'd do sex education like you looked forward to it it was a big thing it was exciting the birds and the bees everyone was very 
sort of excited about that. And then it's a massive, I mean, appropriately enough, anticlimax, isn't it? When yeah. you when you actually mm-hmm. sit there on the day, and it is it was like a day long. The the funniest thing that happened was that um, Mr. Let's call him Mr. Smith, shall we? Let's not give him his real name had to play a brand new video, which he'd never watched before. He'd done no <laughs> preparation at all. He just stuck the video in. I mean, don't mm. forget, by the way, guys, in terms of his qualifications, the art teacher. So you yeah. could imagine the sort of short straw drawing that went on in the staff room. Yeah. This, Who uh, had more fun at university? Yeah. Right. Art yeah. teacher. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Get him yeah, in. Exactly. He can teach the kids about sex. <laughs> it's always the artists. They know the most about sex. Exactly. So he played this video. He'd never seen it himself. And mm. it was... Just some naked grown-ups walking around, some willies and things, and a few diagrams. And then, crucially, a woman giving birth. And it was mm. extremely explicit. It's not the right word. Because, well, it was just, you just saw everything. Mm. And he had to leave the room. What? No. He, I, I remember his position, Diggory. I remember he, 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 <laughs> he brought his knees up to his chest. No, and in he, the fetal position, Yeah, he got, exactly. He put himself in the fetal position. He rocked backwards <laughs> and forwards and went, oh, my God! And he had to leave. He had... <laughs> He had to go into the art stock room just uh, to take a moment and and sort of gather his thoughts. It was extraordinary. That, and how old were you guys at this point? Uh, ten, I think. I think ten or eleven. What? And you see the man that's meant to be teaching you this and being like, guys, don't worry, this is all normal, this is all cool. He left the room. And screaming. For a bunch of posh kids who'd probably all been abandoned by their dads as well. You know, that worked quite well. It was quite, <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. quite a neat analogy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to talk to my parents about this when I see them at Christmas. Yes. Um, Oh, dear, oh, dear. Do you think that had an effect? Since then, after that, did you have any more sex education? I think there was more when I went to the the secondary school, Mm. uh, which was over the road. I think we did more in the second year. There was, God, poor, there's poor women. There was one female teacher, maybe two female teachers in the whole school, like hardly Mm. any, all boys school. And the rumour went around like wildfire. Because so much of this is about rumours, isn't it? It's all about the expectation of massive exciting life-changing moments that are going to happen and the rumor was that this female teacher who everyone obviously predictably fancied mm. was that she would demonstrate no i mean no <sighs> and uh, and we all genuinely like, yeah it's, it's what happens yeah yeah that's definitely happen. yeah where's that in second year that's when we're 12 yeah can't wait we're gonna we're gonna see mrs bleeps tits it's gonna be amazing oh, Her- horrific 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 and, oh. and uh, again for the anticlimax the actual reality at the moment was watching her put a condom on a test tube. <laughs> yeah, that's what we had at our school. Everyone else had the banana, and I was like, we're not wasting bananas test on that. Tube. Yeah. yeah, test tube. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Much more accurate to size as well. Um, <laughs> exactly. At least I've found. Uh, yeah, <laughs> bananas. I, I always look at them. I'm like, for fuck, how is, yeah. who's that for? Completely inappropriate. Yeah. Especially but, for a 12-year-old. Like, exactly. You look at that and go, what? Give me a two milliliter test tube any day. A vial. <laughs> yes. A vial. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. So... Uh, disappointment so far in every stage pure disappointment yeah nothing uh, of mm. any um no connection mm. with any of the pupils at no point did any teacher look us in the eye and say this is about to rip through your life like wildfire you are oh. you are walking into a hormonal apocalypse you are in an all-boys school you're all <laughs> deeply repressed you've all got these hideous expectations on you of course, mm. no one would say that. We were just told to watch a video, and then and and that was that. When did it start to rip through you like like wildfire? Then I was just I was obsessed with that. Really? I mean, I know this is this is um this is this isn't surprising. Surely everyone has this. Like, yeah. Please, 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 Kate, just reassure me. <laughs> just... No, it's very unusual. <laughs> <laughs> um, obsessed. 
obsessed from yeah like 13 14 we we were at the all boys school the all the all girls school was about half a mile up the road and after school every day we would all meet like a lord of the rings cgi battle <laughs> yeah approach each other down the very pretty cobbled streets of this rather idyllic market town that i was lucky enough to grow up in but i didn't give a shit about pretty cobbles and lovely old buildings i just wanted yeah. to touch girls basically to put it as bluntly yeah. as i can uh, and we'd all sort of approach after school and and then awkwardly not say anything and <laughs> yeah and and sort of couple off in a really kind of very efficient way mm. you know like you're going out with kelly this week and then we'd go out and then we'd kiss and then that would be that and you'd move on to and the next week you'd all come back and the same thing would happen but different groups and compare notes and you know in the first so this is when we we're sort of 11s when i went out with kelly and that was my first kiss and i still remember now what an appalling performance i put in <laughs> yeah. like at the bottom of the drive to the school kissing this poor girl yeah and then we went out for a bit like two weeks like bit, yeah. no, nothing too long term that's long man yeah that's well, long you know, that's you know, long we, when you're in year seven we were settling down um yeah yeah and then just a series of girls and it became completely like an obsession <laughs> i mean that sounds quite nice a lot of people come on here and they're like yeah i didn't speak to a girl until i was 21 mm. so i mean how do you look back on it now how do you think on this oh, that's a really good question i look back on it and think i wish i wasn't as obsessed and desperate as i was because <laughs> i was it, I had... it sounds like it doesn't sound like you're desperate it sounds like you're so bloody cool there's all these no, girls coming no, like, no, oh, no. no no because i also i to give more context to this i need to keep widening out the, the delving st- deeper well yeah because you're yeah. at the moment you're seeing a close-up uh, which is completely fictional let's just pull back a bit uh i was very i was a very fat kid i was a very ugly child i had glasses and nothing wrong with glasses of course but i had some these huge glasses mm. that were dirty and and i had long ginger fringe that sort of washed around my eyes all the time and I was eating chocolate all the time. So I was I was a bit of a goober, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't realised when I was sort of projecting the cell of what it was like for me. Yeah. I was expecting, you know, much more of a kind of, oh, God. But you're right. It does sound good, doesn't it? And I'm trying you to... You sound like an absolute stud. No. Oh, to... oh, no, <laughs> no. That's why I'm just trying you, to... Yeah, yeah. So you could not have, <laughs> have got the worst end of the stick. I went out with a few girls, maybe like two or three. But I think actually what happened, by the time we got to about 13, 14, there was much fewer pickings because the girls really gravitated towards the, the the dudes the guys the main the the alphas and i was mm. very much um i mean beta is being kind <laughs> yeah yeah so, so then i really had to sort of step back for a couple of a good couple of years of no, nothing absolutely nothing mm. and for someone that was a self-professed sex obsessive how were those God, years? Why have I said that? Why? Have well, I, I mean, unfortunately, that I... is the tagline to the show now. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. We've actually renamed it from the sex education to we've interviewed a sex obsessive. Oh, God. Um... <laughs> yeah, that, that made it quite, quite tricky, really, to sort mm. of just be completely enthralled by it and, and absolutely obsessed with it well okay i am going to throw to you now mum because thank you i don't want you to feel that you are alone in this kids at that age that must be loads of people yeah of course and not just boys i mean people always say boys are obsessed with their penis when they're 13 well girls think about sex a lot as well and think about boys a lot certainly Mm. or Mm. you know girls if that's their thing but sex is a very much a thing for everybody when you hit your teens isn't it and probably earlier than that too Mm. and does it ever go away let's face it no that was i was going to ask you that question (laughs) Are there any chances that things might quieten down a bit? (laughs) 
when you said it kind of comes at you like a tidal wave, you haven't had hormones and then all of a sudden they're switched on. Mm. And it's not that gradual, really. I mean, it does tend to come quite suddenly. And I think that can be quite a shock. I think there are lots of quite scary things about growing up. I mean, just the strength of feeling. And nobody really says, oh, you might find this overwhelming. They just tell you about periods and putting a condom on a test tube. Yeah, totally, mm. totally. And I think I think another bit of context for my personal story is my, my father died when I was 13 as well. So oh, I was, sorry. yeah, so, so I had this kind of, nobody guided me through it. And I think mm. this, is a, this is so common for so many people. There was nobody who said, hormonally speaking, I was basically at the wheel of a jet fighter plane. I had no mm. idea what to do. You are you are mm. whisked away on this thing. And as a result, a lot of people, and I certainly did this, you turn on yourself. You hate yourself because you, you, res- you, you sort of resent how obsessed you become with it. You resent how much it's occupying you. And you resent the fact that you're not having any success as a mm. result as well. So I think that the way that it can define you is really dangerous. The way that it can mm. define you, the way that your sexuality can define you is dangerous. And I think that it took me a long time till my 20s to sort of break out of that. I feel like you've opened a can of worms there. Now I want to dive into that because we reference a few times on the podcast, you know, how who you have sex with and stuff, you know, your sexuality is a part of your identity. Yeah. You know, and quite a big part. And I think people often forget that or don't really give that too much thought. But I think that's true. And the idea now that you're like, it can define you. Do you think that it defined you for a while? Did my sexuality define me? Yeah, yeah. All those urges and desires and uh, the fact that I was, I was basically, I mean, this is, this is not something I've talked about before. I was basically uh, obsessed with a, a boy for like two years. No, maybe not that long, mm. about a year when I was at school. Mm. All those things, yeah, they did define me. And actually, in reality, the person that I am who eventually appeared when I was about 20, 20 21, when I got away from home mm. and I'd gone to university and I was doing my comedy, that person, sex is a sort of by the by. Sex is a thing elsewhere. That's, a, that's just a compartment. But when I was between the age of about 12 and 20, I was just living inside that compartment the whole time. Mm. When you say it defined you, was it like I, I, I oh, wake God. up and... I mean, so like, like uh, if you take it at its worst, because you're, it's so just in such a tight-knit thing at a boarding school, the way that as you're all learning together, you are desperately paranoid that you are inferior. That's a big part of it. You think that you aren't doing it as well as all the other boys. You think that mm. you aren't talking to girls as well. You think that you aren't having as much sex as everyone else. Up until that point, you live in a bubble as a kid, up until the age of 10 or 11, where if you're lucky enough to have a, a nice upbringing, you believe in that you, you know, you're top of the tree. You are in your family mm. and you're surrounded by love and there's no competition really. Mm. And then suddenly you're thrown into this rat race, this competition, this opportunity to feel inferior. And that feels like that's how it unfolded. That is so interesting. Do you think, Mum, that maybe you've seen people who feel like that today where they're like, right, I've, it's sort of like that thing when people go, oh, what's your body count? Notching up the numbers mm. and stuff and that sort of thing. Well, we've had people on the podcast, haven't we, who, who say, oh, I, I give a good blowjob and things like that. that mm. the, performance is everything Mm. and people are very defined by their ability to be sexual and it ruins their sex life Mm. it's not about having fun it becomes about performance and yeah performance is great sometimes you know 
a really good performance is so much fun. Mm. But most of the time, it's you're in a loving relationship or you're in a brief encounter where who cares? So why is it so important? I mean, the purpose of sex therapy is really to undo all of those beliefs and those feelings about performance and to get people just to go back to basics and start learning about themselves. Because Masters and Johnson, you know, I'm always saying this, Masters and Johnson, who sort of invented sex therapy, they wired people up in the lab and discovered that loads of men didn't feel anything beyond initial arousal and ejaculation. And they they couldn't tell you what went on in between because it was all about getting an erection, keeping it, using it, ejaculating. Whoa, job done. Focusing, performing. Yeah. And now sure we've added in yeah. making her squirt and yeah. all of that as well. So there's pressure on one partner to make the other do things and then pressure on the other to respond appropriately. It's just too much like hard work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Yes. You're so right. And we always come back to this. People who listen to this podcast regularly be so bored of hearing this, but we always talk about the oughts and shoulds and people mm. always go, oh, I, I think I ought to be doing this or I should be mm. doing that. At that age... I know I looked around my classroom and thought, oh, you know, that kid had sex the other day. I remember, I remember at my school, it was all, it was all about the bases. So it was like, oh, how far mm, have you gone? Mm. And it was always like, oh, you know, me and blah, blah, I've gone to second base. And everyone was like, oh. And once what you got. second base? So what first base? base is kissing. Okay. Although the base system, I think, in America is a bit different to ours. Yeah, I it's think. like currency. It's all got a slightly different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like Imperial versus Mexico. Actually. I mean, <laughs> they've got it all wrong. But so it's and also it's the base system. They should have it down because you know they're the ones. Well, I suppose you've got rounders. Anyway, <laughs> shut the fuck up. So we've got <laughs> we've got more of a cricket got... system. It's like it's five days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of running involved. Yeah. Leg we... over wickets. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Nice dude. Love that. <laughs> um, so you've got first base is kissing. Second base is Things with hands, fingering, hand jobs, right, etc. Right. I'm not going to look at you when I say that, Mum. Yes. It moves really fast, doesn't yeah, it? It wasn't like that in my day. Kissing. What, okay, yeah. so what would go? What would your second base be then in your day, Kate? So first base was probably holding hands. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to be and sick. S- this is rubbish. And then second base was probably kiss on the cheek or something uh, like that. Yeah. Oh, Christ. God, I mean, you know, all that stuff you're talking about, that'd be about 20. <laughs> and then if you were lucky, when you'd walk someone home, they'd then stick their ankle out the window and you'd be like, oh, my God, look at the ankle. <laughs> Sick base, um, just there. <laughs> so the thing is, in my head, right, your bases make a lot of sense, but also in my head there's four bases. Four, only four. Baseball. Home run is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So you oh, work up that I way. So it's, you kiss for I first see, base. I see, yeah. I see, So you kiss. I've never realised it was about baseball. Well, in my head that makes sense. That is how the run system works. Okay, so first base. First base, Yeah. you're kissing. You're kissing the person who stood on first base. Okay. You guys are getting off. Then you run to second base and you give that person standing there a hand job. When you <laughs> get to third be a base, great sport. we should franchise <laughs> yeah. this straight away. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hang on, we won't release this bit. I'll edit this bit yeah, out yeah, and then yeah. we'll, we'll put this. This is what we what we pitch to people. Pitch baseball. Anyway, right, we're getting it's getting too complicated. So I, I've run to third base now. Third base has been a bit. I, I almost got caught out. So I've slid on my knees. And I'm now performing oh, fellatio, oral right. sex yes. on the third person. And someone's hit a big long one, home run. You know, as I enter home run, I also enter someone else. And that's sex. Fantastic. But that's when I was a kid. So the base system was so big. I remember someone asked me, he was like, oh, with my girlfriend, they were like, how far have you gone with her? And I was like, well, I'll tell you how far I've gone with her. We both feel very warmly to each other and we are both having a lovely time and we've been going out for like oh god a, i would not be friends so. with you if you did this stuff <laughs> yeah, exactly, like, Mate, <laughs> exactly. it was a it was a massive deflect because i was so frigid right that we had not got anywhere past first base so, so how old were you when you first had a serious relationship 
How has this happened? This is great. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> how, how old was I? I think I was 15. Oh, right, okay. All right. Yeah. So, but like, but maybe 14 or 15. Right. Yeah. So I'm talking like a year and a half, two years into that. Someone in the year above was like, we were at some party we were both at. And he was like, because he was really cool and fit. And my girlfriend at the time was like, I really want a picture with you. <laughs> so they had a picture together. And I great. stood there awkwardly. Yeah. And I stood there and took it. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, and then she... Like a, she like went, a cuck selfie. That is so Yeah, weird. exactly. And then she ran off to show the picture to all of her friends because she was really excited by it. And I then was left stood there chatting to him. And, I, and he was like, she's really cool. And I was like, yeah, I know. And he was like, how far have you gone? And I was like... We've gone bloody far. I'll tell you that we've we've said we love each other, and we, you know. <laughs> but the thing, it was a complete deflection because I was so frigid. But that's the thing, and I remember looking around and and being like, oh, I need to up my game here because mm. I feel like a lesser person to everyone else here. And other people would see you as lesser as well. People would ask you and be like, "You've been going out, with blah blah. Have you even fingered her yet?" No. Well, you're clearly not really going out, aren't you? Your entire identity. See, there it is again. Your entire yeah. identity is is mm. how cool I think you are. Is is how many times you've fingered someone like that is yeah. what teenage years are all about and this is not revolutionary thinking but it really affected me it really really affected me mm. hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. thing we haven't talked about which i'm and i've heard you talk about it on other episodes of this fabulous podcast is uh is porn and the effect that is having on mm. kids and I, i'm conscious that it's a fairly perverse thought at the moment for me because my eldest is only eight years old but i'm conscious that in the next two or three years you know he's on his ipad or whatever things are gonna images are flashing up i don't know mm. what's the best way to sort of guide them through how they're sold sexuality it's really hard isn't it i, I think i think what you're doing is right because you said you, when they ask questions you answer and that's really the only way to do it because you can be if you try and have a talk mm. you can be taking them too far pushing them forward before they're ready for it so wait for the questions give them the answers loads of people think they're like i've got to give my kids mm. the talk and like you say you that mm. could be not age appropriate like or, or just they're not might be not ready for all of that yet you're so right you might be pushing them down a road that they're not fully ready for yet so i think the best thing to do like we've said before i think as well is if every time they have a question you keep answering it openly and honestly they're going to keep coming back to you with questions yeah. because that is it's an open dialogue rather than here's our allotted time for the birds and the bees yes. and we're going to have that and if, mm. and if it's not all sorted out in that time then it's never going to be sorted out that's just not the way to mm. do it so if you have that open stance the whole time then they're going to come to you when they need to and it was it's fascinating as well when you use that phrase the birds and the bees it obviously it reminds me of those the awful uh, sex education lessons mm. and the idea that when the mm. bell went at the end of that lesson you were now fully educated 
in terms yeah. of sex. Yeah. Astonishing, astonishing. But I mean, so they also come on and say, oh, you, you learn through porn or trial and error. I suppose everybody learns through trial and error. And it's really quite, it's, it's really quite mm. sweet in lots of ways. But again, there's even more feeling of performance now where you should be going into it fully aware, mm. fully good at everything. And of course, people aren't. Especially because in porn, like the things they do, they're, they're like Olympians. The positions they get into mm. and the things they mm, are capable yeah. of doing, and good luck to them. But to the idea that that people think a that's what I should be doing, and b that that equals pleasure—that's the interesting thing. You know, you, you're being—if you watched an advert and you watched someone eating a bit of a tree, and they made it look as pleasurable as possible, you'd go out and you'd watch enough of those adverts, and eventually you'd mm. start trying to eat trees, and you would blame yourself for not finding it pleasurable. Yeah. And I think that's what happens with Paul. Exactly. I mean, I've lost count of how many girls I've seen with bruises all over their necks because oh, they've don't. been throttled. Oh, God, and it's just, yeah. and this is normal, normal, normal relationships. And it, it terrifies me. I mean, when I started, sex therapy and relationship therapy was not as much about Jesus safeguarding Christ. as it now is. That's, ho- that's genuinely horrified me. It is genuinely horrifying. It's awful. Something you just said then, Tom, blew my mind when you're like, you know, that thing of you're going to eat bark and then you're going to be, you're you're going to blame yourself for not enjoying it. Mm. It sounds like these girls are going to come in and do exactly the same thing. They're going to be Mm. like, oh, why didn't I enjoy that? Everyone else seems to. All the porn I watch, they do. The guy who's doing it to me loves it. They say things like, well, you've got to, haven't you? You don't have Mm. to. No, (laughs) absolutely not. No. Yes. Mm. I don't know. We need to have someone on actually and talk about that because, like, are they talking about porn in schools yet? They do. Uh, okay. Good. Uh, yeah, because that that feels like that's the new taboo. You know, we're all congratulating ourselves, saying, "Yeah, I'll just any questions they ask me." But if my son, when he's eleven or twelve, comes up to me and says, "Look at this," and shows me porn, I'm going to be like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, like an 18th century Catholic <laughs> looking at an ankle. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But it varies, doesn't it, from place to place? It's very different. And and in the states, they've got some states where they've got really really good system going they're really doing the education and others where it just is not allowed mm. you know let's pretend it's not could happening. you imagine doing it though could you imagine wandering into a school a bunch of 13 year olds going okay guys uh right here we go <laughs> yeah okay happy campers everyone gather around and uh we're gonna show you some videos real quick okay well, i love no, it as you're doing that degree your mum is just doing she's just got the most like what the fuck is he doing <laughs> look on her yeah. face <laughs> but i think that's that's another problem is you've got to, we've got to make sure that people aren't all like Mr. Smith, who sees a woman giving birth and runs from the room. Yeah. There are um, lots of teachers who would put their head in a lion's mouth rather than talk to children about sex. There is actually porn where people do that. Have you not seen zoo porn? Oh, it's amazing. So good. <laughs> At the end of the podcast, we like to ask people, how was it for you? Was it good for you too? Um, and it sounds... Oh, it's a record length. I've never gone this long, obviously. Um, what other facile jokes can I make? Um, no, uh, yeah, it's really, really interesting. I think that um, I'm just thrilled we haven't managed to talk about my, my sex life. That's great. Well, there's still time. There's still time. Oh, it's great news for your listeners. Um, uh, I think that um, there's a lot of things we talked about today that I had never really put a structure on. I'd never really put a story on. I'd never mm. turned it into a story in my head. And um, that's very helpful for me. Mm. Um, and it's that thing. What, what is that? The word that I'm desperately hunting around for is shame. I think that shame is a great, big British word, mm. big British word. I think a lot of people look back mm. on their teenage years, especially. It's just this mess. And it's it's a thread you don't want to pull at because you, you feel like it's this tiger inside you and you're just like, oh, God, I can't cope. But sometimes it is quite good to talk about that. And, and mm. sex is usually the sort of 
driver of, of all that sort of stuff all that energy and i think there is no shame in anything that happened like i've never talked about the fact that i was obsessed with a boy for a year when i was when i was 13 years old mm. i didn't really think i was gay i just loved this boy and yet actually it's not something i didn't tell my wife about that until like two years ago mm. and I'm, I'm 40 years old for god's sake um and i think that the, the quicker we drop our shame and taboo about all those things the better and that is so sweet and lovely it's such a lovely thing you're well done um you know you should be proud of oh, yourself thanks. i think i'll take that not my place no, to no, say I'll, that it definitely but, is i'll have know. that i'll have that 100 yeah. thank you perfect well thank you so much for coming on again <laughs> oh that was lovely thanks guys it's been brilliant it's been great thanks guys thank you so much it's the mailbag thank you queries Thank you so much to Tom for taking the time to speak to us. I was actually listening to his podcast, My Mate Bought a Toaster, and it was revealed on there that he may or may not have a big crush on Britney Spears, which is one thing I forgot to ask him about, and I'm really annoyed about oh. that. Mr. Trick. I know. Still a great interview, though. I had a great time. It was it was so much fun, yeah. It really was. Anyway, Mum, time for some questions that our listeners sent in to you to answer. So let's get going. Mm. This one comes from Dan, and they say, After sex, I notice I have a small, hard lump in one of my testicles. It isn't there all the time, such as when I'm in the shower, but should I be worried? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. there are a couple of things that could be... And often, you know, lumps and bumps are nothing at all. But if it keeps on coming back over a period of weeks, then I would definitely take that to the doctor. I mean, in that sort of area, it could be a hernia, but it could also be testicular cancer or some other kind of growth. And so it's worth having a look. I mean, every man should check his testicles every month and do that by holding them between thumb and forefinger and just sort of rolling them so that you can you rolling them around in in the scrotal sac so that you can feel what's there and Mm. feel if there's any changes you need to know your testicles well so that you can see if there are any changes because testicular cancer is a disease of young men and and it's very very treatable though especially if you if you catch Catch it early early. yeah Mm. so so everybody should should be doing that and the reason that it seems to be there some of the time is because your anatomy changes depending on the weather if you like when you're cold your testicles come up very close to your body and after sex, they're very loose. And so it's, it might be easier to feel something there then. I think that's very important about getting to know your testicles. Mm. I mean, I'll, I'll overshare again for a minute. There are these like sort of things that connect them around the back, mm. which feel really scary. They, they, they're sort of, it feels like, I don't know, wiring or Wires, whatever. exactly. Yeah, it feels like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You feel that. And when you're doing your check and you think, I'm really scared, but online, checked it out, it was all, that's all fine. It's just normal. So that's what's really important. There's loads of great stuff online as well, YouTube videos of how to check your testicles. So that's really, really important that you do that. Keep checking them regularly. And I think in the shower is quite a good time to check them, isn't it? In the shower is a good time to check them. Yes. I mean, you, you know, any time warm that you're... and everything's a bit looser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, anything that's, even if it comes and goes, it, it's always worth to, worth having any lumps and bumps checked out just to reassure mm. yourself. I mean, you, you know, you'd be really cross if it was something and you, and you didn't and you left it. And it's so easy to get some reassurance or to get some treatment if you need it. And this is, this is such an easy way of checking your body. I mean... So easy, and why? Why wouldn't you? Exactly, exactly. We have well. This one's quite interesting. It, 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 I think it's a question, but it's from someone who didn't 
really have a question. Uh, there's an email. There's no subject, uh, and it's just two words: can't come. Oh, no full stop, no question mark. Mm. I thought it was quite great. So I, I think let's say this is a person. So who sent it? No idea. I mean, I'm looking. The email is incomprehensible. Oh, it hasn't got an, a name. Hasn't got a name. Hasn't. So got... we don't know if it's a man or a woman. Oh my word! I didn't even think that. You know that's terrible, isn't it? I just assumed I was like, oh, can't come. That'll be a guy. No. Why would it? Why would you think that? Well, I I don't know. No, because it could be a woman. Well, okay, perfect. I mean, are you willing to answer it for a woman and a guy? Well, it's very very different. To be honest, I would assume so. I mean, so for for both of them, it might be something to do with technique, and it might also be something to do with anxiety or feelings that sex is dirty or something like that, fear of pregnancy um, for men. Uh, Men are quite interesting, actually, because a lot of men develop a a very interesting technique when they masturbate. I mean, particularly if they've shared a bedroom or been at boarding school and been afraid they'll be caught. So they quite often masturbate in unusual ways. Mm. So when they're having intercourse sometimes it's difficult to get the kind of arousal that they're used to and they have to kind of retrain themselves Mm. that's a possibility then sometimes it's just anxiety it's a new relationship or something like that and that makes it more difficult the other thing that we're seeing an awful lot of at the moment is that people can't men particularly can't climax because they're using such a lot of porn and sex with a partner isn't giving them the stimulation that they're used to. So that's yeah, that's yeah. Um, a big thing at the moment. But this often improves when people have sex therapy or relax or just generally relax. But again, it's always worth getting these things checked out with your GP just in case there's any reason why there's something going on. I mean, sometimes so, so some conditions do make it harder. So sometimes things like diabetes can make it harder to, mm. to climax cardiovascular disease, that, that sort right. of thing. So that's why often the first sign of an illness is a, a sexual problem. So we're always sending all our clients off to check things out with their GPs. But most of the time, it's something psychological. Mm. And for women? Well, again, the same sorts of things, actually, but often techniques involved Mm. and perhaps just not spending long enough on them and also them being able to relax sometimes there's a you you know we are always talking about how much pressure there is on people to perform so for both Mm. men and women that can be the issue they're just very self-conscious and so try and cultivate some sort of situation where you're not feeling the need to perform and i mean and start on your own Try and come on your own and then go from there. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But, I mean, people often don't have the problem when they're on their own. It's only when they're with a partner. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, I mean, you, you know, some people do. And sometimes if there's some sort of sexual abuse in the in their past, mm-hmm. and, again, you know, you can have therapy and sort that out. But it, it's often really, really treatable. All these things are really treatable. I mean, it's mm-hmm. more likely to be a medical cause if the, the problem is there when you're masturbating as well as when you're with a partner. But mm, don't yeah. just assume that. Get it checked out anyway, just to be on the safe side. If you do have any more thoughts on this or we haven't answered your question, 
you know, maybe send a question with more than two words in it next time. <laughs> um, we could try that as well because we want to help out, but we just need a bit more information. Yeah. Good. Well, that's another mailbag in the bag. Questions posed and questions answered. Thank you so much for sending those in. Keep them coming. We really appreciate them. It's podcasts at hatchet.com and hashtag realsexedu on Twitter. Thank you so much to Tom Price for speaking with us. And thank you so much to Fountain of Sexual Knowledge, Kate Campbell. Ooh, digs. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Sex Education, which is hosted by Diggory Waite and Kate Campbell. The show is produced by Diggory Waite, and the executive producer is Andy Goddard. The Real Sex Education is a hat-trick podcast. This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between Diggory Waite and his mother, accredited sex therapist Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by, but otherwise unrelated to, the TV show Sex Education. But yes, Diggory does wish his mother was played by Gillian Anderson. 